So the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley back for another week ahead of round 20. Joined once again by Billy Marion. Billy, how'd you go this week, mate? Uh, nope. <laughs> 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 yeah. Mate, Dad, you know when I score big and you don't ask me on those weeks, you wait till I go shit ass and go, oh, how'd you go, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> Give you some credit. Mate, you, were, always... you were like a 1460 the week before, so you were smashing it. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I um, I crashed and burned this week. I was like, uh, like uh, Top Gun, mate, just <laughs> up one week, down the next. No, I um, I completely crashed and burned this week. And um, uh, every 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 player went well except for the pods. Um, TKO, Kiri, uh, TPJ, pretty much everyone under fifteen percent scored less than twenty. So I was uh, cheering this week, mate. <laughs> Not. Uh, at least you had the the big fourteen sixty to back it up the week before to sort of um, ease the pain a little bit. That was a monster. Yeah, score. true. Just offsets it a bit. Just just offsets it a bit. That's all. I got kept out of the thirteen hundreds just because of bloody TPJ. Um, if it just was, if it just wasn't for that, um, I would have, I would have been pretty happy. I would have probably got you know a thirteen thirty five or thirteen forty or something like that. But um. Yeah, TPJ just killed me, but he did that to pretty much all the coaches that started him, I guess. Yeah, and he killed you as well. Yeah, he's um. So the thing, with, the thing with TPJ is you, you can't you can't foresee things like um you know, blokes getting sent off or or or, 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 or chucked in the bin, um, unless it's for feed or to power. But um, <clears throat> yeah, bloke, blokes like Kiri who just. Uh, come up against a weak opposition, who I suppose to score, you know, sort of two or three times, and in the, in the in the clutch category, just to not have the ball go their way at all. So th- those are the ones that are probably more frustrating than ever. Yeah, and it does show too. Um, there's very little between um, teams at this point of the season. Like starting TPJ and getting everything else right. Like I, I captain Teddy, um, who was the best captaincy choice. And yeah, you know, most of my other starts were all were all perfect for what I had to use, but just that TPJ alone really knocked me back a lot um, compared to other teams. So it's there's not that much unit mate at this time of year, is there? You've basically one wrong move, either a wrong captaincy choice or get copying a sixteen off uh, someone like TPJ, and that's enough to really separate teams each week. Oh yeah, but the quality the quality of um, second rowers available at sounds recorded means that. Yeah, so in hundred is a new twelve hundred this time. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of that, there was probably one other thing that was a bit of a mistake for me, and that was um, basically all week I wasn't going to play Nakora. Um, and we've had discussions in um, prior podcasts where people have asked, you know, the main differences between head to head and overall, and I've explained that. But I've really, I've really felt the brunt of trying more on my head to head teams the last couple of months. And one of the prime examples this week was I was never going to play Britain Nakora. Um, last weekend and that all changed on Thursday and I decided to play him because um, basically half of my head-to-head comps that I was um, really targeting because I needed to make up some ground in those in those ones the guys all had um, the core that I was coming up against and looking at the uniques and everything it looked like 
my best possibility was to not start someone like Staggs, who would have been a pod start, and just go safe and match them with Nakora because I probably had them then covered with the other unique players that we had matching up. So I did that, and obviously Nakora didn't play well, and, and I missed down on Staggs 93. Um, and that wouldn't have been something that I was going to do all week until Thursday when I looked at my head-to-heads and I had a bit of a look at it and stuff, and, and I made those changes. So it's frustrating. <laughs> oh, he hit miss, mate. He, um, he, 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 got, he got tripped up uh, about two minutes before line. He, he was really close to going out of form. But although it's um, it's kind of a line in the scene, isn't it? He, he scored or he didn't score. It's, it's kind of like it laid. He did or he didn't. Um, <laughs> The Blue Beds that didn't touch the ball for the first 15 minutes of the game, he might have had one hit up or a tackle or two. That uh, he had that that that, that uh, ankle injury was it? <clears throat> no, looked like he looked like he got flogged in the chest, but um, yeah, he came out whole clutching his uh, ankle. But the uh, the last 10 minutes of the first half and the, and the second half, he, he was everywhere. He, he was in it, but yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a long way to make up points when you're only on sort of 15 and a half time. Yeah, and it's it just it always hurts more when you know that you weren't going to play them, and then you did. Um, it, I felt a little bit better when the Titans game kicked off because um, obviously Stags uh, didn't have the kicking again, and Azarko had it, and I thought that Stags was going to be kicking. So when he wasn't kicking goals, I think that he shanked that first one, and then he um, handed it over to Azarko when they scored. So I thought, oh beauty, um, Stags isn't kicking. I probably would have been a lot more scared. Um, putting him in the 17 if he if I knew he wasn't going to kick. So I felt good about that. And then obviously he ran away and, and killed it and scored 93 points. So <laughs> just the way it goes, mate. <laughs> Happy days. So the mailbag for this week, we've got a lot of really good questions. Now the first one we're actually going to make a segment out of because we, um, we had a heap of questions at this point on um, any combination of things like... Um, who are some pods that you can run home with at the moment from now? Um, who are some pod choices to trade out that are heavily owned? Um, who are some pod options in specific positions? All of those type of questions were thrown around this week by probably at least a dozen people across all the different forums and stuff. So we're not going to answer those questions individually because they kind of cover the same type of topic, which is basically for the run home from now, who are some recent pod options that can be considered if you want to make up ground? And who are some, um, I guess, pod lays or pod trade-outs where they're heavily owned players that you could actually get rid of um, and try and play a bit of roulette for the run home that a a pod is going to actually outscore someone who's more highly owned and fancied. So those are obviously the ways that you can make up ground aside from the captaincy choices and things we discussed last week. So let's get stuck into that. Um, before we go into the pods for the run home, we're going to have a look at the um, highly owned guys first of all. Now, with the highly owned guys, um, none of these guys, me and Billy, are saying a definite trade-out or that it's going to work out or whatever, but they are guys that are highly owned who you could probably um, look at trading out more than some of the other superstar guns and have a chance of getting away with, with the options that are available to have instead of them. So... These high ownership guys that we're going to talk about, and there's three of them to start with in this category, they are guys that are probably not performing up to standard at the moment. So the first one off the bat is the most owned player in the game, and that is Britton Nakora, who we were just discussing. Britton Nakora is obviously a dual position player. He's 57% owned, so he's the most owned player, um, and a lot of those teams are playing him at the moment, it seems. He's got a five-round average of 56.4. Now, that's quite good but it is below his season average of 61 points by a reasonable margin, relatively. 
Um, and aside from his ton that he threw up the week before last, he has been a little bit disappointing. Um, and he has had some scores in the 40s and so forth. Um, so he's really heavily owned, Billy. Um, you can do a fair bit with him in the sense that he is um, just under 500k in his price tag, and people obviously have a bit of a bank. He's the first cab off the rank. He's the most heavily owned player, and he's a guy that has dropped off a bit from the first couple of months of the season. If guys are looking at a, a pod play to get someone out and get a lower pod in to beat Britain Nakora, how do you think that's going to go? Do you, would you consider getting rid of him at this point for the run home? Oh, 100%, um, especially because his ceiling isn't exactly that high um, when the bloke goes over the line. Um, yeah, he'll score an 80, but um, as you saw, base was a down a little bit last week. Not the greatest draw. Um, I'd, be, I'd be inclined to look at the um, uh, the the Eels draw and, and contemplate bringing someone like Sibo uh, or Guffo back, back into the mix. Um, uh, the, the best two draws in the comp are um, Eels and Chooks. So I couldn't recommend anyone in the, in the Chooks kind of back line unless you wanted to take a, a stab at uh, um, uh, that, left, left, that sort of left side wing but uh, or, or someone like Kiri, but we're talking about centre three quarters here, so I'm being inclined to have a look at sort of Guffel and Sibo again, even that probably dropped a bit in price. Um, or, or play that Russian roulette with someone like uh, uh, Tuo. I, I love his sort of 50 base, and um, when he goes over the line, he, he really goes in a role. So maybe maybe alternate between sort of Tuo and Sivo or Tuo and sort of Guffo for, for, the, for the draw to ride home, if, if you're lucky enough to own one of them already. Yep. Um, I pretty much agree. Um, and like we are going to talk about some other options um, in a little bit when we get to some of the pod options. Um, so there is going to be some other ones that you can maybe consider instead. Um, someone like Gutherson, um, though, we aren't going to talk about because Gutherson's like 30% owned. Now, 30% owned is like really high. But this is a great thing when you have guys that are so heavily owned like Nakora is at 57%. You don't have to go from someone who's 57% owned to someone who's 2% owned. Um, you can if you really believe in it. But the good thing with someone who's 57% owned is that you can drop to someone who's 30% owned and you've just halved the ownership differential. So you're actually going to make up quite a bit of ground anyway if Gutherson outperforms Nakora. Um, and even if you get someone that's 20%, it's even better, even though that they're nowhere near a pod territory compared to the 57% yeah. of Nakora they are. Think of it this way too. Um, Gutho's scores have lasted of six weeks have been pretty piss poor as well. So... Even if you're going to a guy like Gutho who might be, I don't know, 30% owned, those 30% of people that own him have been scoring rubbish. So it's it's less likely that those are going to be blokes in the sort of top sort of um, 2%. So he's probably still a reasonable pod for uh, uh, a handful of people in the upper, in the upper echelon. Yep. Um, I'll also say with Nakora too, because he is dual, um, you know, you. And you've got other jewels there as well. You can you can probably get a centre wing or a second row forward in for him, um, and that makes it even more appealing. So I've got him pretty high up on my list. Um, I'm probably going to trade him out to be honest, um, just because he is that highly owned and he hasn't really been uh, setting the world on fire. And he does have so many options. So I reckon that he's a good one and probably one of the main ones if you want to catch up ground and take a bit of a punch and get rid of a highly owned player. I think that he should be the top of the list. Um, but let's move on to the next guy, Billy. So Andrew Fafita, front row forward, uh, 36% owned still. I actually thought he was going to drop down a lot more than that after being so heavily traded last week. Averaging 62.5 for the season, which is pretty good. 
But in his last five-round average, he's only averaging 53.6 points. So he's almost, you know, he's like nine points just about below his average, which is extremely, extremely low compared to what he's been doing and what we've expected of him in the past. He hasn't looked as good his last five games. Um, he's been dropped to the bench this week as well. So for me, Billy, I'm, I'm quite a Fafita fan, and I tend to think that he's going to step up um, and, you know, coming off the bench, um, fire up a little bit, and with his pedigree and whatever, um, I'm pretty happy to keep him and, and rather trade a Britain Nakora. But 36% owned, he's really up there. Is he somebody that you consider trading out for a lesser-known Ford? I wouldn't in my position only because uh, this this type of year you probably got a fair few um, a fair few blokes in that kind of same sort of pr- um, price range that you've kind of got um, uh, as jewels that you can that you can mix around. He probably he's, he's probably going to come off the bench and play pretty well anyway. But if you absolutely had to sell and wanted to get rid of someone, mate, the absolute only person I could probably recommend is would, would be Clemmer. His his price and his pace is just insane. So. <laughs> Passing Clem would, would would be pretty much a staple in the in the front in the front row unless you get lucky, lucky enough to have a crap load of trades and a bit of coin to go someone like you know um, for, for Newell Blake who's averaging sort of sixty seven. Um, but other than him, I couldn't I couldn't see anyone in, in, a, in a higher price bracket unless you wanted to take a hit on Burgess. But I I, I really think Clem is probably the only option there, mate. Yeah, and Clem is. Um... You know, you're going to go from 36% owned with Fafita to 22% owned in Clemmer. So it's a decent um, enough pod play, even though Clemmer isn't a pod. He's going to be a better pod play than what Fafita is with that high ownership. Um, I mean, we need to probably be fair and say, you know, four games ago, Fafita threw up a 91. It was with a try, though. But if you look at the rest of his five-round average, um, it makes up with 56, his 91, 58, 50, and 13. And that 13 obviously included his um, his sin binning, but you know it's even if you take that out, um, you know he scored a nice hundred in round 10. Before that, he scored 19 in the injury affected game, but before that, in his full complement, he threw up a 45. He just hasn't been doing very well um, of late, so I can understand people uh, wanting to maybe look at that pod play to Clem. Yeah. yeah, the only other one I would probably throw out there. If... It would be a hell of a risk trading a bloke like this, a lot like this in. But most people probably own him anyway, and just annoyed that he's not playing. But TKO has a really soft draw uh, coming up against the Chooks this week. All he's going to do is start. But um, he's a type of guy who can score sort of eighty or sort of fifty-five, and you re- you really don't want um, a front row forward to sort of play some low minutes and have, and have that, that that kind of high rotation. And you you know the Chooks a lot better than I do, mate. They they tend to rotate Louis and TKO and even Bradley Bradley through that middle, and God knows who else. Even even Crichton's going to come onto an edge, and who knows might come into the middle for a bit. So um, he has the potential to get over the line with, with his draw, but. I'll tell you what, I'm not I'm not really sure if I'd still be sort of playing Tico over just buying someone like Clemmer, but he, he's, he's an option for a, a pod score, finally. Yep. The last guy on this particular list of guys that aren't really uh, performing too well of late that can go out at higher ownership is Bronson Sherry. So Sherry is obviously in centre wing and he's 26% owned at the moment. So he's got a five-round average of 50.8. It's not that much off his season average of 53.5. Um, it's only a few points difference, but that um, season average is, has been dropping down. Um, he hasn't been as reliable as what we were hoping. He's, a lot of his scoring has actually been 
really supplemented by his back-to-back tons. Um, now, you're not going to obviously... I know people hate when you, someone says take those out, but if you just have a look at the rest of his games for the year, he hasn't really done much outside of those two tons. And his average across quite a good sample of games is going to be a hell of a lot lower if you discounted those couple of games, which are only about 15% of his season if you were to take those out. So he's someone who I'd be really keen on selling. Um, and 26% owned, he's not hugely owned, but you could go from a 26% owned Sherry to one of the pod center wings that are below 10% that we're going to talk about. And I think that's a really good turnaround, Billy, for your team if you want to chase. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, mate, I, I, I'd even be inclined to, although a lot of people probably own him, I don't think many have been playing him. Like, Brandon Burns has just come back from a, a soul-destroying injury and, and still plodding, plodding along, averaging, what, uh, one, two, three, four, averaging sort of 58 in the last four weeks without actually really sort of going over the line. So yep. even someone like that would be a great, a great, a great sort of out at the price. Yep. No, agreed. So those are the top three guys as far as um, both ownership and what they've been doing the last five rounds of football to look at training out, to go for a pod play for someone lesser owned. Uh, I will say apologies to all the Sharks fans. We won't pick you on the Sharks. I know all three of those players are Sharks players, but it's just so happened that that's how it's worked out when you look at the numbers. Those guys are out of the highest owned players, the worst five round average guys. Um, to look at and the most, uh, I guess, opportune guys to trade out and take a punt on someone else for. The next category of potential trade-out guys, Billy, these guys are high-owned, but they are probably a lot more solid um, and have better pedigree than the guys, or some of the guys that we just spoke about. So these ones are a bit more risky, but they could work out and there can definitely be arguments to do it. The guy that's the most owned out of this group is Jake Trevojevic at 45%. Jake had a great game on the weekend, um, racked up, I think, the most tackles that a Ford has made this year um, and managed to score 81 points against the Storm. Having said that, um, his five-round average, you know, uh, we've, we've seen better from Jake. For the year, he's averaging 65. Um, his last sort of five games, he's looking at 81, which was great, 54, 73, and a 46 and 48. Um, now, the 46 and 48 was during Origin, but he has had some other 50s in the year and really just some solid 60s. He probably hasn't been as good as what we hoped, and he's 65 average for the year so far, six points below his season average. So the argument could be made that um, you know you could get um, potentially more than a 65-point average from someone else, like potentially Clemmer, and maybe make up a couple of points there or go for a full pod play. I'm actually, even though he's 45% owned, looking at trading Gerbo in because I'm a believer that he's going to finish strong. Um, but I can certainly see the argument for people that don't own him, Billy, to maybe get someone else in that's lesser owned to chase. Oh, he hasn't got the worst draw. Um, apart from him actually being priced exactly where he should be to start the year, he's, he's probably a prime candidate for everyone to pick him round one next year because he's done absolutely nothing nothing this year apart from punch out. He's standing 65, 65, 65s. Um, his brother was away for a, a fair few a fair few rounds, so he didn't, didn't get a chance to get that ball away to him. But now that Turbo Turbo's back, they're clicking again. They've got the finals approaching. I think you're right. I think worst case scenario, you buy the guy at price right at where he should be, and you get what you pay for, or he's got that upside, and you finally reap the rewards because no one else has yet. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where you can either go glass half full or glass half empty on him, and either way, he's going to be a punt. So. Go with your gut on it. I mean, he's only scored one try all year, uh, and that was round two against the Roosters. 
and he's dropped 150 grand on the year consistently, pretty much. But he's just looking at his um, scores. He has dropped. He has pretty much dropped coin every single week consistently for the entire year. Yeah. So the last two rounds is the first is the first time he's actually increased in value. Yeah. So it's either an opportune time to buy or um, potentially a, a sign of things to come for the duration of the year. It's it's a bit hard to tell. But I, I'm actually I'm on the Jerbo boat. I. I think you should hold him and leave him because yeah. I think there's some better guys that you could probably sell to chase at a higher end. Yeah, although if you're someone like me who said he was the lower year to start with, it's probably time to buy now. <laughs> <laughs> well, his teammate Marty Tapao um, is someone who's been a little bit polarising. He had a great game on the weekend against Melbourne, scoring 78 points. Um, but for the year, he's at 63. And look, his five-round average before that wasn't phenomenal. Um but it's still quite solid. But I guess the thing with Marty is he's got a lot of scores. Like before he's 78, he threw up a uh, 47 um, and then a 60 and a 53 in the couple of games before that. Um, he obviously has those good games in there. Um, like 13 and 14, he had a 76 and 84. But then before that, he went with solid 54, 63, 68, 56, 55 for that five rounds prior to the round one buy. So he's... um. He's been solid, and he certainly hasn't been bad, and I guess that's the takeaway with a lot of these guys. You're not trading them out because they've been bad. You're trading them out because maybe they're not performing at as high a ceiling as what you think other guys can, and you think that you can you know, get someone who's 36.3% owned like to power out to get someone else that you think is going to perform better. Um, you mentioned Clemmer earlier. He's 15% less owned than what to power is, and he's going to give you more 60s and more 70s than what to power is, so... Um, for me, um, if you had the trades in hand, a smaller leap in catching things up, Billy, not a, not a huge catch-up or a huge chase, but a, to power to Clemmer um, is a good example of a, a small change-up in ownership to try and chase a few teams. Yeah, mate, I've got zero interest in to power. He, um, he played 57 minutes last week, but that was with the, that was with the, the uh, overtime in Melbourne. Um, that, that was the full 10 minutes too, so... Yep. Um, I've got zero, zero interest in that. I, I was having this discussion with uh, someone in a small group the other day. He said, I, I'd be happy with um, uh, a good 65 average from uh, from Marty for the rest of the year. But I I argued that I don't think he's going to see it. And he was seeing, prior to last week, a 53 average. And that, 70, that 78 with the extra 10 minutes is still inflated up to a 59. So zero interest in keeping him. I, I would sell to absolutely anyone. Yep, no, anyone that you think is going to go better anyway. <laughs> that's not, that's not sell to Reese Martin. <laughs> Mate, I'd take an A. <laughs> <laughs> so Tapau's quite a good option, I think. So I kind of agree with Billy. Tapau's a good option to, to chase with because he's so highly owned. Uh, next guy um, most owned on the list is Cam Munster. So Cam Munster's 34% owned at the moment. Uh, we're going to discuss some um, really good halves options in a little bit that are pod options. Munster at the moment. Um, he's had some big scores in there. He's also had a lot of 40s. So his last five rounds read as 44, 90, 50, 91, and 44. And before that, it was very similar. 44, 45, he's big 159, he's 46, and he's 68. So generally speaking at the moment, Cam's hitting one to two good games every five for his five-round averages. But his other three to four games are pretty average. People will argue that he's got a good floor in the 40s, and that's the case but you don't want him hitting that good floor in the 40 to 45 range you know, 70 or 80% of the time, which seems to be what he's doing a lot of the time yeah. at the moment. So for the run home and for the rest of the way, 
um, you know, I, I think it's a, it is a gamble. Maybe Munster does carve up for that last um, sort of six rounds of footy, Billy. But I think that you could very easily get someone a third or 20% less owned than him easily um, and maybe chase that way as well. Yeah, he's a good way to go. Um, I sold him about four weeks ago and happy and quite happy not to have him. I, I'm still even get rid of him this week, like you just said. He's playing the Broncos away this week. He's not in Melbourne, it's away. Then he's got Souths away. Then he's got Canberra at home. So for those three games alone, I wouldn't be playing him at all. The only reason you would want to keep him is for the third last game where he's playing Gold Coast in Melbourne. But then he's got Manly away at Manly, which I wouldn't play him, and then the Cows at home. So... I would actually only play him two of those sort of six games, and that's the that's the uh, third, last, and second, and last round uh, round of the season. So, if you get a hold on to him for four weeks and not play him, I, I'd I'd be quite inclined to dump him for a pod. Use that coin, mate. Yeah, I'm um I'm not a massive fan of of Cam Munster for head to head either. So particularly for head to head, if you're like chasing a finals berth, uh, I think that he's a prime one to. To look at someone else instead. Um, so I, when I really switched on to my head-to-head, I actually got rid of Munster um, just after the first buy, and I actually went to Anthony Milford. Um, now, Milf's got um, a couple of 40s in there as well, but since I've had him, he's gone 71, 30, 42, 80, 44, 87. Um, and certainly the last few weeks, he's looked a lot more comfortable with his 80, 44, and 87 as his three-rounder. Um, so that's probably a good example um, as far as like going a pod play. And I've actually um, caught, caught a lot of head-to-heads because of, I've had Milford instead of Munster. Yeah, depending on the uh, on the break-evens, you could even sort of toss a coin and say, listen, I might do one last hurrah with, with uh, Munster this week because they're actually playing each other um, in uh, Brisbane this week. Yep. Um, so m- maybe one last hurrah with Munster this week. Hope they carve up the, the ponies. And or, or it's better than taking a punt on Milford, Milford versus Melbourne to score points, isn't it? Um, yeah, you're not going to start Milford versus Melbourne, but you'll start Munster yeah, versus Brisbane. Yeah, but then then maybe uh, do the trade to Milford next week when his draw really opens up and play the shit out of him. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind the Munster move. Um, I think it's a pretty decent shot because you're taking a gamble that maybe he's only going to have one big game out of his last six um, and hopefully it's not too big to hurt you. Um, the guy after that, is someone who was really, really popular about a month ago, and that was Ryan Madison. Um, and since um, he's been moved to number 13, um, which is a little bit of a concern because he only played 60 minutes on the weekend, and he's been named there again for this week, so that rotation looks like it's set there for the short term at least. Um, Madison's over 30% owned, so he is quite highly owned. He's got a 68 average on the season, which is fantastic. Um, but his last five rounds have all been in the 50s, bar one big game. So that one big game in his last five rounds, he scored a try and a line break for 101 points. His other four games out of those five were 59, 57, 55, and 56. And the 56 was off his um, 60-odd minutes on the weekend. So he's someone who's... um, I think that he's a prime candidate if you really want to chase, um, even though he's had a great year. If he's staying at 13 and playing 60 minutes, this is a prime opportunity where there's a lot of options we're going to talk about, Billy, that are un- that are 10% owned and under, and particularly some guys that are and are only a few percent owned that you could put in your Ford pack that could definitely um, outscore Madison for the run home. Yeah, um, Madison was really annoying me last week, just getting that 60 minutes in the middle. <laughs> These attacking flair just goes right out the window so much so that you 
sit at home chewing on your, on your fingers going, is Mano back, is Mano back, is Mano back. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, I think quite quite a good option as so. well. Yep. But let's move on. Um, those are some high ownership guys um, that are definitely underperforming in those um, few Sharks players that you could replace. And I would definitely be looking at replacing the chase. The other guys that are a little bit more risky um, and are probably still guns, but you can look at trying to um, get better scores from elsewhere. So let's talk about the elsewhere, Billy. Um, we've got two different groups of people to talk about here. We've got our true pods, so they're guys that are under 10% owned. And then we've got our almost pods. Um, so guys that are sort of 10 to 15% owned um, that are still very much worth talking about at this point of the season as almost pod plays. I'll, I'll put the, the criteria out there for this. We are um, really heavily looking at five-round average and five-round rank. The reason why me and Billy are going to talk about that is because there's only six rounds left in the season. So what someone is doing the last five rounds is pretty relevant to their form and what you might be able to expect for them for the, the last sort of five or six rounds of the season. So that's pretty relevant. Um, and as well as that, when you're looking at pod plays, one of the things that happens is, um, you know, if you're talking about what guys have been doing for six, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks, um, they, they become not pods anymore or they're pods that are going to start to be heavily bored or have been in the last few weeks. So they don't, they don't last as pods for that long. These players looking at just a five-round average, some of them have gone completely under the radar and some of them are going to still be pods because people are now out of trades for the next few weeks. So we're going to have a look at these guys, and we're going to do it on rank. So the fifth-ranked um, guy on a five-round average basis is at 80.4 points across his last five games. He is a center wing, and he is only 2% owned. Now, he's not the fifth-ranked center wing for that period. He's the fifth-ranked player for that period. There, he's, there's only four players in the last five rounds that are better than this guy, and he's only 2% owned. People are going to fall off their chairs when I say who it is, but it is the Bulldogs, Hopalati. Now, Hopper has been absolutely outstanding, um, and the thing that I like about him is two out of those five games are actually against the Roosters. So he's managed to kill it against one of the better teams in the comp, and his last five games read like an absolute dream. He's got 77, 79, 112, 54 and 80 points. He does have a few tries in that run, um, but in saying that, um, again, Roosters were two of those games. Sharks were one of them. Knights and Broncos make up the other two. Three out of those five are away as well. So Hopper has come up in the past. He does have a base of 40 at center wing, 2% ownership, Billy. Um, what do you think about Will Hopper Hardy? If you're going on his uh, five-game rolling average only, um, mate, you're an absolute magician. I just can't do it because if I go back and look at his average prior to that, 48, 32, 38, 37. I mean, how the hell do you score 37 versus the Gold Coast and 48 versus the Dragons? <laughs> I, I just look at those scores and go, you know what? Um, I've missed his 112 in those 70s and 80s. Those are try-scoring games. Um, I can't for the life of me pick a, a centre at the Bulldogs. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's why people wouldn't go there. Um, and that's why he's sort of gone under the radar the last, last five rounds. Um, but in saying that, you know, he could finish strong. He's done it for... Look, even before his um, round 14 game, he had a 48. And even if you count that in there, he's still averaged, you know, um, 74 points a game across his last six. So he's been doing it for a while. Um, so he is someone at 2% owned where, you know, all these pods are going to be risky, but... 
if you want to take a risk or something, um, or you're really far behind or really want to chase, you know, it may not come off, but Hopper's put up the numbers um, the last sort of five or six weeks, and he could keep doing that for the rest of the year, potentially, as a 2% owned player. Um, Billy, what we're going to do with these ones, we're going to rate them out of 10. One being um, a terrible pod play and not to go there, and 10 being a great pod play and maybe uh, definitely considering grabbing that guy if you want to get a pod. It's only a pod rating. It's for people that definitely want a pod in. So if you're going to get a pod in, where would you rate Hopper between 1 and 10? Probably a 6. Yep, solid 6. I reckon a solid 6 as well, mate. I agree with you on that one. Um, I'm giving him a 6 because he doesn't have, an, apart from that 112 versus Newcastle, he doesn't have an absolute max ceiling where he can just get to that one game over the ledge. At, at the most, he's going to score you an extra 15, 20 points on on one of your staple guys. Yep. No, I agree with you there. The next guy's averaged 77.8 points across the last five rounds, which ranks him as the eighth best player across that time. He's only 3% owned, and he's a second-row forward. So this would be surprising to many as well, although we gave him a plug last week because we didn't realise you know, how well he was going and that he deserved a shout, and that was Big Zero at the Manly Seagulls. He's, um, he's been killing it, almost averaging 80 points in his last five-round average. Um, he does have some tries in there, but you know, on the weekend against the Storm, he got his 58 points um, without any attacking stats. Before that, 44, 116, 106. Um, and those were, you know, try games with his 106 and 116. But then he scored 65 without a try, 70 with a try, 69. He's actually been quietly going well for two months now, um, which has been very under the radar. He's already having his best super coach year of his career at 58 points for the season. And if you look at the last couple of months, he's been one of the better second row forwards to own. So, Billy, I know it's real dirty. Sirenin, no one would ever think of doing it, but... Again, if we're looking at catch-up pods, do you think that he can continue his run from the last couple of months, considering Manly's form, and does he then become a little bit of an option? Oh, yeah, mate. I, even though he's priced at um, 615k, he's got, he's got an X-factor about him. Um, the thing I'll give him is that he's two tons um, versus different ends of the spectrum, one versus South, one versus Gold Coast. Um, he's got his Melbourne game out, um, out, out of the way. Yeah, he's back. He's back at home this week. They've, they've they've actually got a half decent kind of draw, and they're they're really on really um on on song, mate. Um, not not like they're playing for the spoon. So I think he's probably a really good shot. Actually, I give him probably a seven and a half. Yeah, I'll give him a solid seven as well. Um, particularly if you're um, looking at chasing that second ring, wing, second row spot, and you've got some injuries in there, which a few of us do. Uh, this third guy's a little bit more highly owned. He's seven percent. Um, and he's coming in 11th in the five-round averages at an even 75 on the nose. And that is your old mate, Cam McInnes. So, McInnes, you astutely pointed out uh, for the round 16 by Billy, had been going great and was an alternative pod option to Cameron Smith. He has been killing it, and it was a really good shout by you. He's been going well all year. Even his this last five rounds, he's gone 59, 81, 94, 76, and 65. Um, and he has been a great alternative with a 52 base, which is much better than, say, Cameron Smith's. So if someone doesn't have a second hooker, um, a, a, apart from Cook, he probably looks like a good pot option to catch up and be playing instead of playing a Cameron Smith, whether you're playing head-to-head or whether you're trying to chase overall, considering a lot of people are going to 
put the reserve on Smith a lot of these weeks going home. Yeah, 100%. I would have bought him sort of uh, five, six, five, six weeks ago if you needed, needed some of that that um, that, uh, that that extra hooking spot. But given his price and where the Dragons are at the moment, um, I'd actually throw an alternative um, <laughs> out there. So I'm going to... I'm going to sort of bypass Kemi right now, but um, I'd take I'd actually take Farah over McInnes, but uh, McInnes is probably in a, in a solid eight for a pod, mate. Yeah, I think he's a solid eight as well. We're agreeing on these ratings far too much, but McInnes is safe as a bank this year. Even if he doesn't go great, he's he's not going to really go worse than what Smith is going to go. Just, just, and look, you might, you might laugh, but the reason for me picking Farah there is Farah's played uh, nine games in 80 minutes this year, and in those 80 minute games, his average 80, um, he's, he's with, with two tons. The last two games, he's gone back to playing 80 minutes again with an 80 odd and oh, 60 odd or something or other the, the week before. So, um, Little Little isn't named this week, and, and Robbie's, Robbie, Robbie's hanging up his boots and the Tigers are sort of fighting for the eight. So, if Little stays away, I think Rob, Rob, Robbie averaging 80 and 80 minute games, priced at 370k, 200k cheaper than McInnes. That's the only reason I was going him over McInnes. Yep. At at 6% ownership. And the next guy's at 7% ownership, um, and he's a centre wing option. He's ranked 15th overall for the last five rounds at 73.2 points a game. And this is a guy who a lot of people got in for round 16 as a bit of a cash cow. Um, and we thought he was a good buy to make some cash and then sell. If you've held Joseph Manu at the Roosters, you've been pretty happy with it so far. His last five rounds, he's gone 67, 74, 22, but he only did that in 47 minutes because he was injured, 67 and 136. So, you know, considering he played half a game in one of those, he has really no duds in that five-round average. And if anything, the five-round average of 73.2 points underrates his output because of that injury-affected game. So he's um, continued his good form um, from when he got his fullback start with Trent, with Trent Robinson kind of talking about him wanting to bring that fullback form into the centre spot and learn some, some things and develop. He looks like that he has. We were always worried that he was going to put up dud centre scores because that's what he was doing for the rest of the year. The Roosters' draw obviously opens up your league. He's only 465k and he's been scoring fantastically well to the point that he's the second best uh, I think the fourth best centre wing, sorry, over that span as well. Um, should people that don't own Joseph Manu maybe consider him as a pod to catch up? Oh, I'd like to say I'd give him another week just just to have a look, but um, you give someone too much of a look at this time of year, you, you pretty much miss the pod and miss the score, don't you? So pretty <laughs> much either got to bite the bullet and jump on or not. Um, the only thing I'm going to add there, dude, is um, his 136 was in that first game um, at, at fullback. Yep. He then went back to centre where he pretty much did nothing, but then he would he, then he went over the line for his first try of the year for 67 versus Melbourne. Otherwise, he was punching another 33. Um, at fullback, he scored 22 in that round where everyone wanted him. Look, he then, he then punched a 74 versus North Queensland, but that was the game post-Origin where Teddy was rested and, and yeah, he played fullback again, so you can't count that. And you go back to his his other game. So in in his his only two games in the last five weeks, um, where he's actually played back at back at right centre, he scored fifty seven in both of those with a line break try in both of them. So if he doesn't get over that that white stripe, mate, he's scoring exactly the same as what he was before. Maybe plus an extra 
10 points in base. So I think um, uh, Robbo's right. The fullback role was done in well, but his work rate's only, only added an extra sort of two and a half, sort of hit ups, hit ups to a half. So I'd be inclined to say no, I'm not interested in him. But if you still own him, I'd probably hold on to him and play him versus uh, the weaker draw coming up. But I'll tell you what, you would want to, you'd be pro. You'd be, pro, you'd be crossing every finger and toe hoping he's going to go over the line because otherwise you're getting a 37. What's your rating for him as a pod buy for the balance of the year? I'm going to go six and a half here. Say so he's a five and a half for me. Um, only because um, he he has been inconsistent at centre um, and he does have a tendency to maybe go back to the form that he showed at the start of the year. I think the good news though, if you really wanted to take the pun on him, he is playing the Titans this week. Roosters obviously have a good draw. Um, and they were going his side a lot on the weekend um, to the point that Mitchell and Tupo weren't getting any ball out there and Kiri was getting frustrated. So if they keep getting Kronk more ball on that side of the field, Manu's going to benefit, and he, he almost scored another try on the weekend very easily. It was very close. So um, he's got some upside there if he can get back to form. Well, the next guy is Jazz Devaga. So he's a dual hooker, second row forward, so you could look at him as a pod play in either of those spots. He ranks 16th in our five-round averages, and that's at just under 73 points a game. He is only 6% owned, so despite everybody sort of um, talking up Jazz when he started and him being a popular talking point to purchase, he still only comes in at 6% ownership. His last five rounds, um, he's gone 69, 70, 87, 50, and 88. He has been an absolute beast since he got that starter 13 jersey. And that um, game where he scored 50 in round uh, 16, um, he only scored 58. He only played 58 minutes, which is his second lowest around there. He's been playing a lot more minutes other than that game since. So he looks like a really good pod play, Billy. If someone wants a, a reliable second row forward, the only caveat's going to be if Tohu comes back and that um, shifts the shape of that forward pack, then he becomes a bit of a dud. But if he doesn't, he's a pretty good pod player to catch up instead of, say, um, uh, playing a Marty to power. You could play a 6% to Varga. Well, you don't need to sell me, mate. I'm the one that told everyone to buy him when he was playing on the bench. <laughs> so what's your rating for your man Jazz then, mate, as far as a pod player Ten. for the year? 10. Huge. Ten. You're welcome. You're welcome, everyone. Billy's number one pod player to catch up for the year. Jazz Tavaga, everyone. Uh, I'm going to be slightly uh, less generous, and I'm going to give him an eight, um, mainly because I think there's some risk there with uh, Tohu coming back and Kearney being the coach and the Warriors season maybe going down the gurgler in the last few weeks. But definitely, um, if he's starting 13, um, he's going to be a points machine, and he's going to be better than a lot of the more fancy second row forwards. Now, the next guy is the biggest pod that we are going to talk about, and he's also a second-row forward, and he comes in with the 21st best rank out of anyone for the last five rounds, and he's averaging 70.6 over those five rounds, and he is an Eels player, Nathan Brown. Brownie has been coming back to form quietly, but definitely in the last few weeks. Um, So he's gone 87, 82, and 78 in his last three rounds. So that's a three-round average in the 80s. Uh, To finish off his five-round average, he had a 44 and 62. His minutes the last three weeks of what I've been uh, pretty impressed with. He ended up with only 53 minutes in round 18, but he's bookmarked that with 68 and 65 either side of it. So 
he's really been looking good the last few weeks, and his work rate has been right up there. He's been easily taking hit ups sort of around 20 a game, um, and he's been making a hell of a lot of tackles as well. He did go over for one try during that for the 82, but on the weekend, he's 87 points against the Warriors. 77 of that was in pure base. 556k, Nathan Brown is owned by hardly anyone. 1% ownership. He is the ultimate, ultimate pod billy for the run home right now in your forward pack. Yeah, I love Brown Dog, mate. Um, started the year with him, but um, once again, <laughs> um, pack, shoulder, arm, it's always something with him. But if you're going to take a punt on someone, you'd have to take a punt that they're going to stay fit for six games. So surely you couldn't get injured here, but Murphy's Law. Um, I don't think you're going to get a ton out of him, but I think you get a lot of consistency. And with their draw, even though he probably relies on a bit of, on a bit of clutch, I think you can probably bank on him getting a little bit of it. So, yeah, I think it's a great option. Probably in the same, probably in the same category as Tobago, although I won't, uh, <laughs> I just won't jump on my horse and get him to ten. I think he's probably a solid eight and a half. <laughs> yeah, I actually like him better than Tobago as a pod for the run home. Um, I'm going to give him a nine out of ten. Um, as far as the rest of the season, mainly because he's 1% owned and because um, we've seen him do it before consistently. And I don't think his job's under any pressure whatsoever. So I think that what we've been seeing lately has been what a healthy Nathan Brown is going to produce and why he was one of my favourites to start the season with uh, at round one and unfortunately got injured. Next year he's going to be the same. He'll probably be in my side for round one. I think he's a fantastic buy right now. Um, some options for people are going to be, you know, okay. instead of it's a Powell um, or instead of a Madison, certainly instead of a Fafita or a Nakora if he's in your second row, Brown should be able to beat all those guys for points and you should end up up on a lot of the super coaches out there. Uh, next one is 7% owned. And this is another guy that's gone a little bit under the radar that used to be a bit of a gun of the past. Um, he's only 42nd on the five-round ranks, but he's had a 64 that's been very consistent across the last five rounds. And he is dual second row forward front row forward eligible. His ownership's gone up um, 3 or 4% um, in the last few weeks because some people have taken a bit of notice of it, obviously. Um, and that's Josh Papali at the Raiders. So he's actually um, started two out of his last five games on the bench as well, um, which is quite surprising. Uh, but he's still managed to pump out good scores. So his last five, he's gone 72, 69, 60, and 70, and then a 49. It's really the last month of games um, that have put teams on notice with his 70, 60, 69, and 72. And that's really coming through that origin period, and he's been looking a lot fitter. He's got base close to 50. Um, it has got the attacking upside in there. Um, and he actually, from this weekend, plays the Warriors twice in his run home. Um, 513k, he's actually cheaper than most of the other, if not all the other pod um, forwards that we've discussed. Obviously a lot more volatile and is a smaller sample size if you're looking at the last four weeks for someone like Papali because he can go up and down. But I have noticed him the last um, the last month of football, Billy, and I do think he's looked better and his super coach scores have actually reflected that. Yeah, he just uh, played... The, 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 the only thing that makes him a bit sort of... A, a bit hit and miss is the fact that he plays for the Raiders and you don't know what stick, stick he's going to do. Um, it could leave him as an impact player and then you're stuck with a guy that's going to be a scoring, you know, sort of um, offer 45 minutes as opposed to 55 to 65. So um, one question for you, is, is he rotating through the middle now 100% or is he coming back and rotating edge middle? He's been in the middle. Um, so 
Um, and, and with the minutes stuff, you know, and he's, he hasn't been playing big minutes for those scores. So that month of good scores, he played 54, 50, 47, and 44 minutes um, to get those scores. So he's not going to play really any lower minutes than what he already has, and he's been producing in those low minutes. So, you know, there is upside if he actually gets more minutes. Yeah, he's a type of guy who probably regresses with uh, um, um, larger minutes, PPM work. Anyway, but play, playing in the middle, you know, he's just going to go um, go hard for as long as he can. Look, they're they're on a roll at the moment. I think I think the guy sort of puts in. Well, I'm not sure where I would put him in the scheme of things regarding um, Brown or Jervo. Um, I'd probably pick. I'd probably have to still pick him third behind those two blokes. But I'll tell you what, if you wanted a pod, his um his dual status and his ownership would be crazy low. Yeah, and he's the only front row forward option um, based on our criteria. So he's the only front row forward that's been doing um, sort of that top 50 area that's definitely pod territory at 7%. So, you know, if you were in a position where you had to trade for feeder out um, because he was the guy that you are going to sacrifice at higher ownership, you could go from a 36% owned for feeder to a 7% owned Josh Papali. Um, and unless for feeder really goes ballistic, which he could because he's got the pedigree and he's done it before, you've got a pretty good chance of that gamble paying off and Papali going better. Wasn't it you that was saying Fafita did this last year? He was benched, and when he came off the bench, he absolutely tore it up. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, um, it's just so hard to tell with with Fafita. Oh, you never know which one's going to turn up. So what's your Papali rating, mate? Mate, I just don't see the massive upside to him, so I'm going to have to put him down as probably about a six. Yeah, I reckon six is fair as well, so I'm going to go with that. Um, but he has been quite consistent in the last month of football. If this was round one, I'd say an eight but right now at this time of the season when you have so many other good options that have a higher base, uh, but just drags him down so much further. Yeah, I'm actually going to go 5.5. I'm going to go below your six because um, I like the Warriors for two yeah. out of his last six games, but he's also got the Roosters and Melbourne um, in the middle there, so not as good a draw for him. As maybe um, some oh, other not, guys. Oh, not the fucking chalks. <laughs> well, mate, Will Hoppard, he's been averaging 80s against us, so that's fine. Um, let's go to the last guy on the list, and that is a center wing fullback, Jewel. He's 46 for his five-round rank at 62.8%. Um, but he deserves a shout-out because this guy is only 2% owned. Um, so he's the second least owned guy on the list in the top 50 when looking at pure pods, uh, and that is the Tigers' Corey Thompson. He's flown completely under the radar. Um, whilst he's been at fullback, he scored very well. So if we go um, his five-round average, he's got 80, 65, 69, 59, and 43. Um, if we look at all of his games at number one, aside from the first round of the season, he basically went to the jersey, uh, the fullback jersey in round 11. And since round 11, he's gone 86, 44, 43, 59, 67, 65, and 80. He hasn't been uh, a huge ceiling guy, but he's been incredibly consistent. Um, and he's had decent base there as well. The Tigers draw opens up quite a bit with the Cows, Bulldogs, Manly, Newcastle, Saints, and then Sharks in round 25. And the Tigers are obviously chasing to, to be a top eight team. So they'll be playing hard for most of the year, if not all of it. So a 2% ownership, mate, and someone that you can put in your centre wing and also have as a fullback uh, fullback option if someone goes down in your fullback slots. Um, how do you see Corey Thompson, who 
probably hasn't been spoken about all year by us, but um, has, has quietly done really well in that number one jersey. He's a sneaky little option, isn't he? Um, I, I'd play him this week, Cows, at home. Um, I would also play him next week versus the versus his old team, the uh, Doggies, mate. Uh, he probably tries to shove, it, shove one right up and as if to say, uh, how dare you get rid of me? This, this is what you're missing. Um, I'd then pick and choose my, my uh, battles after that one. He's he, he's a small he's a small bloke. He does he just runs quick. Um, it, it, just remember it's still the Tigers, so you're not going to get you know 140 off him. But I'll tell you what, um, probably a good little sort of fourth option to uh, play this week, next week, and then choose choose a couple of sneaky games. Yep, um, he's also cheaper than a lot of the other center wings that we've looked at at 487k. What's your rating on Corey Thompson, mate, for the potometer? Uh, about a seven. I'm going to go a bit lower. I'm a bit down on the Tigers' chances, so I'm going to go a four on Thompson. I think that he's actually good at his scores, um, but I think that he's, his scores are probably only going to be good enough to be able to meet the expectations of other more highly owned centre wings. I don't think he's going to actually be able to beat them um, for the run home, so I don't think he's, a, he's one of the better ones. Um, but let's look at our almost pods list, mate. So our almost pods list, remember, guys, um, to finish off this segment, are the guys that are not in pod territory, so they're 10-plus percent owned, but they're not heavily owned. So we're looking at 10 to 15% range. Um, and out of those guys, the first one on the list is quite surprisingly um, low-owned at 11%. So he's almost in pod territory. Um, he's a ninth guy on our five-round ranks out of all positions, and he's averaged a whopping 77.4 points across that time, and he is the Warriors' Ken Mamolo. So, Kenny M um, has set the world on fire the last couple of months as Supercoach, and I was astonished that uh, a winger that has a 35-plus base and has been scoring tries like him was only 11% owned still. He's 580k now, but his last five rounds, he's gone 95, 45, 91, 52, 104, 74. So, he's only got one sub-50 score in there at 45, and that includes games where he hasn't scored a try and he's still gone 45 and 52 in those. Um, so 11%, um, when you consider that someone like Latrell is, you know, 40-something percent owned, um, someone like Ken Mamalo is, is real value at that 11% range. Yeah, he was much higher owned. Um, then uh, Wilfred sold him after three poor scores. <laughs> 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 he dumped him then went on a run. Poor fish. He uh no, he, he picked it around sort of two months ago and then got three shitty scores off him and thought, Fuck this, I'm getting rid of it and then started doing Mate, what predicted. Me so. and Wilfred did Poor exactly bastard. the same thing. <laughs> me and Wilfred did exactly the same thing and we actually spoke about it on chat and we were talking about how chuffed we were with one another that we'd spotted Mamolo and how excited we were for Kenny M to just fire and I believe that uh, we bought him for the round three Manly game um, where he scored 27. And then we're still upbeat about that purchase because he had the Gold Coast Titans uh, and then he scored 33 against the Titans. And then he followed up with 34 against the uh, the Rabbits and he had a massive BE and we just we sold the shit out of him, both of us. And we actually cried about it because it was a wasted trade. After me, we both sold him. He went, you know, 60, 81, 106, 66, and then on, you know, the, the great run home that we were just talking about. So I can feel Fisher's pain, so don't just feel sorry for him, mate. You've got to give me some feelings as well, okay? No. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about... You, uh, can, 
you, you can be my wingman anytime. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Goose. How do you feel about um, Ken Mamolo? I tell you what, he's got a tough draw coming up, so it's uh, mate, it's going to be a hard one because you, you, you know, put it this way, you can bake on thirty-five points off him. The, the guy's got a work rate. That's what. That's why. That's why you and Fish loved him. It's just a matter of whether whether or not he goes over over that white stripe. So, is there at least two games in there that you could safely play him and go? You know what? I'm expecting a ninety plus this week. Because if there's two of those games, he's probably still worth. With uh, with uh, yeah. Look, it's, it's going to be very debatable because um, his draw is going to be Canberra, Manly, Roosters, Sharks, Souths, Canberra. So those two Canberra games you're going to bench him for. The Roosters game you probably are as well. It's really going to come down to whether you want to play him for Manly, Cronulla and Souths. If those games are in New Zealand, yeah, I would. But other than that, I think everyone else has to kind of feel your pain from a few months ago. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, he's got Manly at home and South at home out of those few um, matchups. So there's at least two games in there. But what would you rate him out of your mate, ten for your potometer? Mate, if he can't score versus the Titans, he's got to be a three and a half now. Well, three and a half stuff. I'm I'm going to give him a five, um, only because he's done so well most of the year. Um, but you know, it's not high either because I, I also I don't like the draw. Um, but he has put the numbers up for the year, so he deserves some respect, so he gets a five from me. So moving on from 11% Mamolo, center wing, second row forward option. Very surprised like Mamolo that as well as this guy's been going, that he's only 12% owned. If you're looking at chasing, jeez, uh, this is a great guy to be getting. Uh, Manu Ma'u from your Parramatta Eels is 12th on the five-round rankings. He's scored an average of 74 points on the nose across the last five rounds. I got him in when he was 7% owned, and I could not believe that I was getting him at 7% owned with how well he's been going. 79, 70 points, 75, 81, 65. That's his five rounds. Solid as you'll get, only one try in there, and his last three games are 79, 70, and 75. They haven't had a, a try or a line break in there or anything, so... He's been going great guns. I can't believe he's 12% owned. For anyone that's asking to chase, you know, you might... You might not realise, Billy, that, that Manu Ma'u is a pod uh, is close to a pod at twelve percent now still. You probably expected him to be a lot more highly owned. He's a definite guy that you should be selling, um, say a a Sherry two or a Nakora two, and you're gonna make up a lot of ground by doing that. Oh mate, I see why not many people have him. He was he he had already played just the round twelve by and no one's kinda of really needed him anymore, but I think the the reason a lot don't own him is because they were they were still trying to write their team after the um or, or prep sorry prep their team for the last bye. But his scores were just that good. His his ownership was 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 so low. He was he was he was working throughout the stumps to get at seven three quarter early. So yeah, I, I got him in when he was only sort of one or two percent owned. But um, I, I'll tell you what, he, he's rightly jumping up a, a point or two every week. Yeah, he's uh, I I rate him really highly. Um, I think that he's a, a 10 out of 10 for Manu Mau. I think that if you're chasing um, for a center wing option, he's a 10 out of 10. Um, get rid of one of those guys that's like 30% owned and get Mau in at 12%. And I, I think it's almost a guarantee that you're going to end up better off um, in your chase home. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, <laughs> even if he wasn't, you would rate 10 out of 10 for the right home. Just, just for the numbers, he, 
just for the numbers that he's putting up. And he looks so much better playing that right side too. Yeah, definitely. Our next guy is one of your favourites from um, this season, Billy. So 10% owned centre wing, very, very close to um, to pod territory. And some would argue he is a pod, looking at 1% to 10% ownership inclusive. 25th rank on our five-round average, uh, 68.4 points per game on average across the last five rounds. The reason why he's so um, lowly owned is just because a lot of people brought him as a cash cow and cashed him out. So now Brian Tuo at the uh, Penrith Panthers is bordering on a pod. And I tell you what, um, he's, he's a guy that we've spoken about before as a keeper. If you didn't own him before, he's definitely a consideration as a pod run home that's going to be better than most heavily fancied guys. Last five rounds, Billy, he's gone 57, 80, 82, 45, and 78. He has scored a mountain of tries in that time uh, with what, six tries across his last five games. Only one of those games he hasn't scored a try and he still threw up a 45. Could be a glass half full, glass half empty approach. Maybe he stops scoring. I tend to think that he's going to keep scoring and he's got a good enough um, floor with the base and base attack that he has where he's a bit similar to Kenny M, except he's got a better draw. Um, and I think that he'll go better for the balance running home and only 10% ownership. 2-0 is a serious option, I reckon. Yeah, I um, I just don't trust his draw uh, as much. Um, otherwise, I'd be all over him and I'd probably still even buy him. <laughs> Mate, you know you're going to get some 40 points to him just being with a park. He, he, uh, he makes a lot of HH. He does a lot of the runs. Um, he's scoring consistently now. They go looking for him. So, um, look, if, if you've got him, even if he's on your bench, I'd, I'd try to find a way to play him the, the next sort of three or four weeks. But if you don't earn him, I'd, I'd he'd be, he's a pure money ball, money ball option at the moment. I, I, I really couldn't buy him, especially considering he's, he's up in that five and a K mark now. Oh, well, he's got the dogs this week, and then the sharks, and the sharks haven't been great. Um, and then the Broncos. It's, it's a wait. Yeah, it's a wait, but yeah, it is at Shark Park. Um, after the sharks, he's got the Broncos and the cows, then the roosters, and then the knights. So not a not a terrible draw for the Penrith Panthers. What's your rating on him, mate, for his pod potometer? It wouldn't be really high because I think a lot, a lot of people are him as a cash out, and even if he did play him, you're going to get seventy with a try. So he's probably. Probably a six and a half. Yep. I, I've got him a little bit higher, but not much. I think he's a seven out of ten. Um, and I think, again, when you're looking at those other guys that we spoke about, like a Nakora or a Sherry in your center wing, um, getting someone um, like 2-0 in, you could easily end up up in that. Um, and you're going to make some some good inroads on your chasing. So the last guy we're going to talk about is half, uh, 15% ownership at the moment. And that's actually been going up. He's 28th ranked on that five-round ranking, and that's at an average of 67.6 points across the last five rounds. It is Brian T's teammate, Nathan Cleary. A lot of people are talking about um, potentially pods for the run home or what they do with their halves. Um, Nathan Cleary is at 15% close to that pod territory. He's definitely not highly owned. He's coming up against the Bulldogs this week. His last five rounds, he's gone 73, 85, 74, 43, and 63. Extremely consistent, coming through that origin period. Um, they've got the draw that we just spoke about as well. I've been big on Nathan Cleary all year. I believed on him at the start of the year that he was going to come good. I think he's been a bit underrated, but only a few weeks ago he was down to a 58 average, and now he's back up to a 62-point average, and he's looking at trying to get up to those sort of 
2017-2016 heights of that 66-70 to 70 average, and I think that he's going to end up getting there with a big finish to the year, Billy. Yeah, I know what you're saying, mate. Um, there's just a lot of options to finish off the year. I think, I'm, I think I still think he's a risky one. I think you're going to skip that one, mate. What's your rating on him for uh, the point factor for the run home if you want to chase? Oh, he's got some X factor about him. Um, probably a seven and a half. Solid eight out of ten for me. Um, when you're considering that someone like um, Mitchell Moses is at thirty three percent owned, um, SJ's mid twenty percent. Um, someone like Cleary at fifteen percent, you could jump up a, a bit if you think that he's going to beat out those guys for the run home. Obviously, Moses has a good draw, but. Um, Jeez, if you had Moses as your half and you had like Dylan Brown as your second half, um, getting Cleary in and playing him as a reserve at uh, 15% ownership, um, I reckon he's got a higher ceiling than maybe some forward options that you're going to reserve, and that's a good way to chase as well. Uh, you'd be going, um, going to play this week versus the Dogs. It, it is away from home, but still a good week to play. Yeah, for sure. Um, so and he, hasn't, he, hasn't, he hasn't had his massive time yet. You know he's going to get one between now and the rest of the year. Yeah, that's right. Um, and he's been getting very close with his 73, 85 and 74 in his last three rounds. So um, I think that it's on the horizon and it very well could be this week. And a 15% own Cleary against the Dogs that throws up 120. That's going to be gold because probably only 10% of those 15 actually play him as well. So really good one to finish up on. So everyone, hopefully that's um, a little bit helpful. We've got a lot of questions it's a, it's a long segment, but we wanted to go through um, all the guys that you could potentially chase with instead of some of the more fancied options and some of the more fancied ones that you could look at sacrificing for that chase home. Remember, none of it's a guarantee. It's all a gamble. That's why some, some guys are pods. The more times you gamble, the more chances are you going to lose. So you know, if you want to go all out and you don't really care about losing, then sure, go for you know, your four, five, six pods. Um, but otherwise, be a bit conservative about it and try and sort of target two real pods and then maybe a, a 10 to 15% guy and, and run home with that yeah. and catch up a bit. Yeah, it only, only takes one. It, it, it takes two really good sort of low ownership pods to absolutely fire you up the rankings. It takes uh, one low ownership poor score to bring you right back down to the rest of the group too. So uh, just play the percentages. Yep. Um, so we're going to um, go through the rest of the mailbag questions, but we're going we're gonna to absolutely go through them rapidly because we like to give the listeners what they want, but we also can't have too long a pod. So Rick's got the first one with Sergis probably back. Thoughts on um, putting Murray as an NPR and playing an extra centre wing like Thompson or Sevo? That one's from Rick. What do you think, Billy? I don't think Thompson has a high enough ceiling, but uh, Sevo, mate, uh, at home, I think the sky's a limit for that, especially after watching him defend blokes like Matchsticks last week. Yeah, I think it's definitely a pod play. I, I wouldn't be adverse to doing it, Rick. Um, it's probably a 50-50 for me, though. Um, so yeah, it would be Sebo though, not Thompson. Uh, Roberts got the next one. Who to captain over Turbo versus Knights or Teddy versus Titans? Both huge upside. Which one are you going to go this week out of the two, Billy? Oh, uh, Turbo at home absolutely cannot go against him. He scored seventy four versus Melbourne in Melbourne. What do you think he's going to do at home versus them? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the Roosters didn't play too well, and um, Teddy still got his ton up. So yeah, I, I don't think you can go wrong with either. To be honest, I would. What I would probably do, Robert, and what I'm probably going to do, if I'm head-to-head focused this week, I'll have a look at what my head-to-heads are doing, and I'm going to do the opposite. If I'm overall focused, I'm going to look at where the percentages are at, and I'm going to do the opposite to the percentages if I want to chase, um, and that's probably how I'll do it. 
All right. Um, so next question. With limited info on Ferguson, what is everyone doing with him? That's from Raynard. Um, with limited info at the moment and looking like it could be the season or definitely a couple of weeks, I'd be selling Fergo Billy. What about you? Wouldn't have even bought him in the first place. I'd be selling him as soon as possible anyway. Ah, he's such a downer. I reckon Fergo was good. It's just, it's just unlucky that he got injured. Maxi Evos has a question on Wanga Blake as a pod. He wants our opinions on him. Mate, you're the Eels man, so I'll go to you first. Wanga Blake, is he a pod option for the run home now? 330k coming off a 55-point Eels debut. Any actual centre at the Eels is not worth a Razu, mate. They have to be wingers. I, I, only, only finishes at the Eels, mate. The guy's inside and get nothing. I don't care how good you are. Yeah, I, I really don't like his um his floor, um, Maxi. so I'm going to have to agree with Billy on this one. Um, if you look at the rest of the season, even though he was at Penrith. Yeah, so probably a no for Wenger Blake. I think at this point in the year, there's some better pods um, and some uh, more established ones that have been doing better of late. So next question, um, for feeder on the pine, would you start Willie Fire up? And everybody has been asking that. Um, we spoke about that before, Billy, a little bit. I think that it's complete. Uh, another chance, but he did fire up last time, so I might be taking the punt. I'm pretty sure of starting him this week and hoping that he does. Yeah, mate, 100%. Not going to argue that one. Uh, Sam has asked us, Croker to Gutho, is it a good or bad trade or is it sideways? So uh, Croker's quite low-owned, but he hasn't been going too well. Gutho's higher-owned and he's been doing a lot better, mate. I prefer the Eels draw. Um, hate, absolutely hate the Eels actual centres, but wingers and Gutho feeding the, feeding the wingers, mate, I have to go in over Croker. Yeah, I think at this point, if you've got the trades, Croker to Gutho um, isn't sideways because I think Gutho's a little bit better. So for the run home, you've got to make those sort of trades, and I'd do it, Sam. Um, Matt's asked us, um, he can only have one last centre wing out of Sebo, Burns, and Sherry. Which one? Um, I'm definitely not having Sherry. It's definitely out of Sebo and Burns for me, and I think I'm going to take Sebo's upside with his draw. I'm going to go Burns. Burns is going to give you a few. <laughs> last week, you were... <laughs> I know you had your heart in your mouth last week just playing for some clutch and you got it in the last minute for a 50 <laughs> or 60 what, 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 whatever it was um, but I think mate you still get a you still get a high floor for Burns and no, no, no tries or you I just think probably still get Sivo but I'll tell you what Sivo just looks devastating on the field yeah I, I've got to go Sivo just because the upside I just love watching him as an owner um Ben has asked us, can we look um, into Stags now that he's swapped sides? He's got pretty high ownership and unlikely to be in people's immediate weekly set of wing selections. So Stags has swapped sides and he's obviously been going a lot better. And you pointed out last week that he's, he'd swapped sides. Um, he did lose the goal kicking on the weekend after shanking the first one, which is a bit of a concern. But he's obviously coming off a 93 and 104 in his last couple of weeks. Um, do you kind of see it continuing um, to keep Stags or... Um, at minus sort of 22 BE, do you just sort yeah. of see him as another hold for a week and then get rid of him? Yeah, you just hold him for another week versus the storm. There's no way in hell you're playing this week. You've got balls bigger than mine if you do. Um, then just reevaluate next week whether he becomes you know, um, that sort of fourth or fifth century quarter that you sort of um, alternate or where you just um, sell him. I'd probably hold him this week in his alternating because his 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 pod value as um, uh, as a player versus some of those lower ranked rank, rank teams is is, um, is outstanding. Yep. 
I, um, I'm personally an owner, and I'm going to hold him this week and then sell him because I think he's going to get to a point and maybe 550k in the next two weeks where there's much better options that you can go to than him that you can play every week or that are going to be more pottish and better to own. So for me, I, even though he's gone well changing sides, I don't expect that type of um, outburst for the rest of the year. Matt McComb has asked us who's a better buyer, Cleary or Moses. Um, I'm going to say Cleary only because he's you know 15% owned versus Moses 33%. So I'm, I'm going to go for Cleary for the run home. Yeah, agree. Cleary the better buy, um, the much better player. Moses has the uh, the better draw and the pod factor. Um, I just think that Moses can go thirty or one thirty, whereas Cleary can punch to the sixty on 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 on, their, on any, any given day without doing much. Uh, Dean Timms has asked us. Angus is done. Angus is done unless Corner is out long term, um, and he can grab a starting gig. So he's becoming a bit of an AE problem. Played very low minutes on the weekend. Scored in the 20s, I think. Um, should he pot up with either Nathan Brown or Josh Papali? For me, it's not a question. I'd be going um, Angus Crichton yeah. to Nathan Brown 100%, Billy. Yeah, right now, 100%. Um, even when he's playing 45 minutes off off the bench and beasting it, you can't bank on a guy to come off the bench and beast something for 51. So just neck the prick and neck him now, mate, before he loses his day. Yep. Even, even, with that, even with that draw, I couldn't hold him. No, I couldn't either. Not when someone like Nathan Brown's one percent owned. If you can do that, Dean, go for it, mate. I think you're going to love it after oh, you yeah. do it. Oh yeah, mate. Yeah. So we got a real good question from Stephen. Um, what do you guys love and hate the most about each other's teams? Billy on Barnsley's team and Barnsley on Billy's team. So why don't you smash me first, mate? Remember, it also said what you do like about it. So don't just uh, critique me. Give me some positive stuff too. I hate the fact that Barnes is beating me with that piece of shit too. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, mate, I, I like the fact that you've got some pod plays in the halves, but you've got some serious colour there. So you've got um, um, John So as your primary, but Cleary as your secondary, and you can quite easily play um, any one of those. So, same, same as your five um, and fullback. Uh, Pong is the primary, but you've got Milton, who's, who's now fullback, uh, fullback gun, gun, gun draw, gun player. Um, sky, sky's the limit for that bloke and the, and the Teddy Turbo combo out the back. So you pretty much got every every, every position covered there. Um, Seven three quarters. He's, he's got uh, the, the Mitchell Staple, Manu Mau there. Only thing that you're really missing there is is kind of a Bateman from the seven three quarter option. But you've got Gutho there and and two and two two Burns, Sivo, Croker. So you've got a rotation of, of four different blokes you could chuck in there. Um, the only critique there would be you could maybe sort of negate others by chucking in a uh, croaker and a Bateman type, but there's not really much point if the Eels have a massive draw and he's just going to chuck in Burns, Sivo, TV rotation with Gutho. So really, really strong, strong back line, kind of jealous of that one. And and up top is pretty strong too. The only real sort of weakness in the team is um, <clears throat> is the um, the the. the Backup option at front row forward, so he's got for fear as the primary and Pengai as the backup. And with uh, Pengai having the suspension and going going to going back to the middle with uh, Gillette on and Fafita coming off the bench and being a snob lately, I think your um, your real weakness is um, is a front row forward. But you could now that if Serge comes back this week, mate, um, well, an easy offset that by chucking Clem up the front row and, and playing Burgess. Uh, Really, really strong options in there. Um, do you have any trades left in cash bank, or are you pretty much done and just waiting injuries? 
I got a trade left and um and not much not much cash. Yeah, but was, to be honest, there's really nothing Mark needs to do. I think he's got some great great options for the alternates down there. Even even, even bums like so the kick out kick out Hodgson sitting on the bench who can put the uh, pull tons out their ass when they need it. So, um, yeah, mate, solid squad, just right at home. Oh, so for Billy, oh, where do I start? Do I go the compliment first or the negatives first? Oh, it's always tough. Uh, let's go the compliments first. So, um, I like um, that Billy's got um, Kiri in his 5'8 spot, even though Kiri didn't go great um, last week. And I bought Milford as a pot a month ago or so. Um, I started to regret a little bit that I didn't get Kiri up until the weekend. So I, I love having Kiri in there. Um, Billy's um, pack as well. Um, I like the fact that he's got uh, Takiaho and Madison in there. Um, probably not as much now, but his hookers are better than mine. So he's got Damien Cook and Cam Smith. Uh, I didn't get to get to that double um, because I ran out of trade. So Hodgson's my backup which is probably a little bit of a weakness. I'm not going to play him. He's coming a bit better as well, but um, I'd rather have Cam Smith and Cook like Billy has. Um, so I like that, and I like the the pod um, Kiri play. Probably the um, little critiques uh, that I don't like. Um, I don't like no cover in the halves. I'm a big fan of um, going all out in the playmaking spots, fullback and halves. I'd like to play all those every week. Um, and have those as like my three reserves most weeks, if aside from the real bad matchup. So, Cust, I'm not a big fan of. Um, I'd I'd really hope to net Cust and and get someone else in there like Cleary. Um, and if I'm being real picky, um, I really don't like um, Sherry as a play and Corey Allen's in in Billy's center wing still too. So. Um, Guys like those, it's going to limit Billy's centre wing rotation a little bit, but his centre wings are, are very strong in what he's got to start with, with Mitchell, Mao, Bateman and Nakora. I don't have Bateman, so um, he's probably got a bit of a better solid base for me. The Billy side looks good. Um, I like it. The only thing I'm going to say is he's still got bloody Reese Martin in there. The Reese Martin love affair, he could not get away from everybody. He's still got Reese Martin playing in England in his second row forward. Let's do that for shits and giggles and screenshots. It's <laughs> like the girlfriend, I just can't let go off. Oh, yeah. Well, we've all been there. Um, all right, we've got a couple of quick team questions, and then we're going to um, get out of it. So this one um, we've got from Jacob. Um, he's currently ranked 75th, and he's got one trade left, and wondering if uh, he's got enough depth for the run home or if he should be getting someone else in. So probably, Jacob, if you've got one, right. one trade left, I think that you've got to basically hold it, mate. Um, probably the only things that I'd be worried about. You've got really good depth in the halves and everything. Um, your centre wing um, of Nakora, Burns and Masters on the bench, it, it's decent enough to rotate with. Um, Masters has been real bad lately, though, so that's probably the only little concern. Um, other than that, um, your front row forward is going to be a concern if one of those guys goes down or two of them goes down because you don't have any jewels in the second uh, row that you could move up, like a clamor or something like that. Um, that's going to be your risks, but you're probably better off keeping the trade and when something does happen, using it then. Yeah, this bloke's a man after my own heart, mate. I love... Have you looked at his centre three quarter line? <laughs> I, love the fact he's, I love the fact he's got the balls that have Harrow or Hargrave still... Harrow or Hargrave. CHN is still there. <laughs> but I, 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 think, I think he's a cracking pod to sort of uh, play a couple of weeks here and there. Just be careful when you play him. Um, 
I would not feel like me playing the court or Masters for the rest of the year, but they, the, the guys that just can sort of stay there, I would actually rotate the shit out of how, of uh, CH and, and, and Braden Burns the last couple of weeks. Um, obviously, benching Milford this week is 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 a good ploy. But play absolutely play the crap out of him next week. So, mate, this bloke, mate, having a having a bench of uh, Turbo, Milford, Johnson, Smith, Jerbo, Madison, Kafita, that's pretty bloody solid. Um, yeah, it's, mate, I would not worry about having one trade left at all. I wouldn't even worry about your AEs because. Um, yeah, let, let, let's face it. How many times you're actually going to loop in, in the next sort of four to six weeks? So, yeah, solid depth, mate. All right. So Ben Fears has asked us. Um, he's currently running 44th overall. Really well done, Ben. That's a that's a fantastic ranking. Um, he's asked suggestions for his final trade. He's thinking either Stags or Nakora to Jerbo. However, that leaves him with no jewels between second row and front row. Um, so maybe Clem instead or another pod. So, Billy, um, first of all, Ben, congratulations. 44th overall is fantastic. Um, you can certainly go on a big run and try and finish towards the pointy end and, and improve on that. Um, but one trade left is really going to hamstring you um, with moves that you need to make if you get injuries. Um, because of where you're at, you've already got a good ranking um, and you've already got decent enough forwards that you can probably play in front row forward and second row forward as reserves. If I was going to make a trade, it certainly would be... Um, Stags to Stags or Nakora to um, to Gerbo. I think the decision making is right there in what you're going to do. But having said that, because you've only got the one trade, Billy, for me because of his rank, um, I'd be holding that because I think he's probably going to need it in the next six weeks. Yeah, agree, mate. Honestly, I would I would I would hold that hold that trade. It's it's hold on to it for dear life because you, you, your team is pretty solid. You know you know that um, you got a lot of a lot of coverage. You would only use that for like an absolute key player going down, like uh, Turbo going down, all of a sudden, or Ponga going down, all of a sudden having to play a guy like Munster. You'd, you'd like to keep that free for an option of rotating into someone like Milton who might be on fire and be able to get an X back in the last three weeks. Yep, 100%. Um, so, final question we'll finish up on is from Kyle Williams. Um, he ended up not going to Po option, but still need to offload Masters. He's got four trades left and the cash to either get Sevo. Asako or Oates or Burns. So Oates, Asako, Sevo or Burns, mate. I am going Sevo with his great run. And if I was Kyle, I wouldn't be able to wait to get rid of Masters to Sevo. Um, but I'm assuming you're probably going to go Burns out of those guys. Yeah, I think, um, I think especially for guys in the top 100, I think there's a lot of... There's a lot of a safety factor about Burns and the fact that he can still punch just, just as good of numbers, if not better, than um, Sivo. Not with ease, but um, relatively easily. But I'll tell you what, um, if you asked me that same that same question before uh, last Sunday, would have given you the exact same answer. But after last Sunday, mate, Sivo is just starting to scare me a bit. Yep. Um, so let's move on to TLT. It's going to be a rapid TLT today because we wanted to focus on the mailbag questions being at the pointy end of the season and um, some really good questions on um, strategy um, and pod factors. So TLT, uh, first game is Tigers versus Cowboys. Uh, For the Tigers, we've got no changes. um, And for the Cowboys, Michael Morgan's returning um, with Jordan Asiata moving to the bench and Corey Jensen dropping out. So probably um, the main thing with that change, Billy, is um, Shane Wright retains his starting second row job. Um, which is good because we thought that Asiata might push him back out. 
The bad news is that after doing great base for a few weeks and um, some questions about buying him last week, he punched out 22 points last week in a starting job. Um, and he was probably uh, the big loser as far as uh, potential buys that really dropped off last week. Yeah, he cost me about three hundred bucks of money. How you can score 22, minutes, 22 points as a second row in 80 minutes, I mean, I've got no idea. <laughs> but he did. Tavaga and Tavaga and Burns have been a couple wins this season, but I'll tell you what, that was not a good call last week. That's a massive fail. Yeah, it is. So let's just move on. Um, so when we're talking about lays and starts, um, Ryan Madison obviously played 60 minutes last week and scored in the 50s. Uh, he's in Jersey 13 again this week, so we can assume he's getting around 60 again. He's playing the Cowboys at Leichhardt, so he might be able to get some attack, but with how strong squads are, Billy, are you going to lay him for this week, or you'd be starting him? Leaning towards the lay, mate. Yeah, I'd lean towards that too, but it obviously depends how strong your teams are. Um, I'm not like I'm not loving him as an option right now, but um, he, he should go okay still. Uh, on the flip side, um, obviously everybody's going to start Jason Tomololo. Um the Tigers um, have given up some good points to Fords. Tomalolo can do well against the Tigers, and even though it's playing at Leichhardt, um, potential VC option for Lolo if he can go over the stripe. He has been in pretty good form. I wouldn't do it at Leichhardt. Uh, I'd probably find someone else. There's only, there's only two VC options in this game. Or oh, sorry, three. Maybe. If if you if you were serious to be sort of you know, drink water, Farrah or Tormalolo, but I don't think any of them are high enough to sort of loot, but they're the only ones you would really consider. Yep. Um, I do think that if anyone wanted to throw a, an early C out there, uh, I think that there's better options later on, but um, if you wanted something for safety, is probably safe this week against the Tigers. I think he's definitely a 70-plus option. Um, how do you see this one going, Billy? I reckon that the Tigers are going to win in um, a desperation game, and particularly after Robbie announcing his retirement, I reckon that they're going to be a 24-12 winners over the Cowboys at Leichhardt and um, marching on towards the finals. They're a different beast at Leichhardt, mate. Um, I used to live there. You know, I'd, I'd sit at the sack hall and said, uh, and have a few beers and you, three hours before the game even start, you would see just every man and his dog just come up Darling Street. They, they would all attack that ground. So that, that, that venue is going to be absolutely packed, mate. I don't think the uh, cows are going to know what hit them. They'll, they'll just see the expansive Tigers game and Hopefully not a shower of cans from the field, from the, from the, from the supporters. <laughs> $1.65 on Sportsbet at the moment. I love the Tigers this week. Um, really? Yeah. Didn't, reala- didn't realise they were that short. Go and jump in. Warriors versus Raiders is the second game. This one's at Mount Smart Stadium. Isaac Luke's been ruled out. We found out tonight he's, he's gone for three weeks. Um, so Carl Lawton comes into the 17. Nick Arima's back for them, which really helps. No changes for the Raiders, as expected. So... Interesting lay or start here, Billy. Roger Tuovasa-Shek has been on fire. Um, Raiders are one of the best, if not the best, defensive team in the competition. Um, it is at Mount Smart, though. How do you see it going for Roger? Um, would you definitely be playing him regardless of opposition? Hell no. No way in hell. Not, not, not versus Raiders, mate. It's a tough one, but it, it does become an opportune time to end up selling him despite his good run. Getting Teddy or Turbo in with their prior matchups that makes a lot of sense. We talked about we talked about it in the last sort of two or three weeks, and it was it was a um, a very very touchy subject subject for a few saying why would you sell someone like RTS who's average the same as uh, as uh, Teddy? Or this is the reason why you, you saw what he did last week with with a, with a soft draw and only one try. Just going to get worse from here. So 
she's still there with Duke. Yep, 100%. Um, now, Mamala is another one that I would be laying as well. Um, I, I think that he might struggle against the Raiders, but he is at home, so it might be a bit contentious for those that own him. Yeah, same, same deal as RTS, mate, only worse for a winger. Um, John Bateman killed it last week, ended up scoring a try in the last 15 minutes, which broke on owners' hearts. Scored 100, <laughs> 100 and something points. I don't even want to look at it. But um, he, he becomes a bit of an interesting BC option. It's away from home, but cold in New Zealand, much like Canberra. And he is someone who could end up giving them a lot of trouble on that edge. I recommend the Warriors' defence. Um, might be looking at another 100-plus score, I reckon, against the Warriors. I I would still avoid it only because he plays so early, so early in the round. And although although a hundred is a new sort of one thirty for a VC loop of of sorts, I just, I just think there's still too many good options around there with, with blokes like Teddy and sort of uh, Turbo. So I I probably wouldn't waste one on him. But I'll tell you what, you would have big balls to um, throw one on him. I reckon Raiders 13-plus this week. I, I think that they're just too classy at the moment and um, and the Warriors are going downhill. I'll tell you what, if there's one place that's close enough to England, it's uh, apart from Canberra, it's going to be uh, New Zealand. <laughs> Call of the week there, really. Um, Broncos Storms, the next one. Um, Matt Killett's back um, with Flegler returning, but obviously TPJ is out. For the Storm, we've got Vunavali returning, um, so... Sandor Earl is gone, which is great for AE Nightmares. Um, now, this one is interesting because it's at Suncorp. Um, the Broncos have been in a bit better form. Um, normally, you would lay guys uh, like Anthony Milford, Oates and Staggs. Um, but they have been playing a bit better. Uh, but the Storm are coming off, obviously, a loss. I- I'm probably going to be laying Anthony Milford. I'm not definitely not playing Staggs. Believe it. Can you see any merit in playing any of those um, Broncos? Mate, the, if you go look at the Storm heat map um, for what white for super coach, super coach scores for, uh, versus versus that team in, in any, any position, and the whole thing is just stone cold red. It's just not good for anyone. Yeah, I, I agree. I'd definitely be playing Cam Munster and Cam Smith though versus the Broncos. Yeah, for sure. Um, even so much as an uh, as an edge, if you're lucky enough to own a bloke like Confuci, I reckon he probably can sort of storm storms back into contention this week. Yep, um, good call. Probably should give a shout out to David Fafita. He's starting in the second row again on the edge. Uh, last week he scored an 81 on the edge, um, and Wilfred deserves some props for that. He ended up going for a big balls pod and buying him at 380k or something, and he ended up playing him for that 80 something points. He is a Broncos fan, but um, it ended up being an astute purchase. And if, if Fafita keeps that number 11 jersey, he's um, he's going to end up being a bit of a, a pod play for the run home too and for this week potentially even. Yeah, especially with that draw. That would have been more the fish boarding mate. Um, so I reckon that this is going to be a, a good game. Um, I actually think the storm will prevail, but I think it's going to be a tight one, maybe a 2016 type of affair at Suncorp. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I was going to say the um, old the old ponies are a different beast at Brisbane, but but they can get beat by the Warriors up there by twenty points. But yeah, I think after the last couple of weeks they kind of turn it around a bit with Milford fullback. Seagulls versus Knights, mate. Um, mm. This one we've got no changes um, with obviously Jake Trevojevic free to play um, for the Knights side of things. Nathan Brown swung the axe. 
Ramian, Levi, SASA and Bureau have all been axed. Heimel Hunt moves from wing to centre and Mann goes from 5'8 to wing. Connor Watson is a new hooker with Sofidi coming in and uh, Lachlan Fitzgibbon returning, pushing uh, Sione to the bench. Probably the big news on this one, mate. Um, first of all, geez, it's great that Caitlin Ponga didn't get suspended because he really doesn't deserve to be after that outrageous send-off last week. Mate, I, um, yeah, no, I, I, I know what you're saying. That was, ridi- that was a ridiculous call. I'm not going to argue any further on that one. Yeah, good that he's playing this week, but I'll tell you what, the, um, <clears throat> um, what's his name, Brownie chopping and changing the team that much um, when they're playing away at Merley. I think uh, just asking for another ass-whipping, mate. Yeah, it's going to be tough for the Knights. So I reckon that the Manly are going to win as well, but Ponga's pretty much match-up proof. I'm 100% playing him this week, um, and I'm 100% playing Dave Clemmer. Um, the Seagulls pack, as we've spoken about all year, does give away some super coach points, so Clemmer could do really well. Uh, if anyone held on to Cotter Watson, he becomes a, an interesting play now again that he's starting at nine with uh, Levi dropped. Yeah, um, he's he's been playing really well. Um, it, apart from the first three games, the fullback where he was absolutely garbage. All all, all games where he's come back to um, fullback or um, or nine, so sort of running running positions in eighty minutes um, since then, he's been going really well. I think he's been averaging around sixty five. It's a little bit shy of the uh, seventy, but <laughs> he's been going really well. Mate. He's been going really well lately. Yeah, Mitchell Pierce has completely dropped off the face of the earth, so he's he's gone really badly lately, so we're not even going to talk about him. But on the Seagull side of things, um, obviously, like you said, sunny 3pm Saturday at Lotto Land. Tom Trevojevic comes into contention as the, the full C option, if not a VC. Um, it's got to be probably one of those two for this week for turbo owners. I'm not sure whether I'm going to uh, VC him or just straight out C him. I'm, I'm kind of... Trying to avoid ha- ha- having having to have an A that uh, 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 f- uh, feeder or that use that useless boat from um, uh, Corey Allen who might actually get a run. So um, I could quite possibly even just do straight up turbo. That's our call for I am in this week. Yeah, turbo and DC are going to be good plays this week. Um, if I own Marty Sapel, I think I'd actually play him this week against the Knights Pack at Lotto Land. I, I think he might actually go well. I was just I was just asking myself that question. I was just about to say I probably still wouldn't play him, but after thinking it um, at the about the changes that um, what's his name Brownie Brownie's just chucked into chucked into the nice pack and the fact that Manly are at home, forty five to fifty minutes might actually be half uh, half half decent for um Capel. Yeah, I reckon this might be a good game for Manly players. Um, Jake Trevojevic is a definite play, and I think that he's a definite buy for this week if you don't own him at five hundred seventeen k. I'd be buying him for think, this night's matchup. Man, I think this is the one week he gets one away. He gets that try assist for his brother. I reckon he goes to goes to eighty five score this week. Big call. Um, I'm I'm all over the seagulls though for the win. Um, and agree with you there, Billy. The Bulldogs vs Panthers is our next one. Bankwest Stadium. Doggies have got no changes. Um, and the Panthers as well have no changes, so that's an easy one to talk about. Um, the Dogs, I think we can just pretty much put a line through them as far as interest, so let's just talk about the Panthers here. I tell you what, if I went VC Turbo um, as a pod pod play, C Nathan Cleary might be might be on the money if Turbo doesn't turn up. I'll tell you what, you're throwing your balls out there now, mate. I reckon you're better off just doing, going straight. I reckon you're better off just going straight out with Turbo because. Most people will probably VC him and um, 
go and see later in the weekend. So if he if he ends up killing it, you, you know, the luck there, the luck of the draw there is that you don't have to worry about um, an AE. You get to play whoever else you want. So there's the extra twenty points on top of that. I still think Cleary goes really well this week. If you don't own him and you're looking for a halfback, this is probably a great week to be buying him. Um, all of the Panthers, Billy, I think it goes without saying. Brian Tuo, if you own Brent Naden, um, any of these guys that have been going well in attack, you, you'd surely be playing all of them against the Dogs and expect a decent win, even though they went well against the Roosters. Yeah, mate, 100% I agree with that one too. Uh, so let's move on to a, a bigger game with the Sharks versus Rabbits. Um, Sharkies have quite a bit on the line here at Points Bet Stadium. Just scraped home with a win last week somehow. Um, they've got Matt Moylan back at fullback. Um, now, we said last week that um, Matt Moylan being out, um, I was saying I, th- I thought it helped Sean Johnson quite a bit. Um, and Johnson ended up turning up. So ended up being the case. And Josh Dugan played his role really well, um, actually scoring quite well and continuing his good form that he actually does have at fullback. So that worked out really well. But unfortunately, Matt Moylan's back this week, which I think um, isn't as good for him probably. Um, aside from that, um, Andrew Fafita returns, but he's on the bench. Um, and we've also got... Um, Dugan pushing Mueller Tarlow out of the side. Wade Graham is back in the back row, though, which would strengthen them quite a bit. For the Rabbitohs, Sam Burgess returns, which also strengthens their pack. Ethan Lowe is benched. Um, and Jaden Sewer and Dean Britt are dropping out. So, really interesting game, Billy. Um, both these sides have got some really big ins. Matt Moylan, we said, and um, Wade Graham. But Sam Burgess, um, I've been holding him just because I, I, I had other guys to trade instead, and now he's back, which is great for Sam Burgess owners, and maybe he's going to return to a bit of form and, and give us something. So yeah, the big question, Billy, out of the Sharks side, first of all, who are your lays and plays? I think the big three to talk about, laying or playing, are going to be Sean Johnson, Britton Nakora, um, and also Fifi, considering he's on the bench. Yeah, I'd probably lay in the order of um, uh, Nakora first, for Fifi second, and then, then SJ. Um, SJ is the one that could probably still pump up a, de- a decent score, but wouldn't want to bank on it. I'd probably, I'd, I'd, I would honestly probably leave SJ out this week for for Cleary and yeah, play play burn play Burns over the core at century quarter, and then pretty much anyone that you got over for feeder. Yeah, I'm definitely benching the Cora. Um, SJ, I'm definitely playing though. Um, I think at Shark Park, um, SJ could keep going well from his confidence, but I am a bit scared of Matt, Matt Moylan being back. For the Rabbits, um, Cody Walker smashed it last week, which we, we said if you own him, definitely play him, and a few people still benched him, but um, he's going great guns. Are you going to play Cody away yeah. from home against the Sharks, though? No, I wouldn't. Um, he, was a good, he was a good call last week, but I think any, anyone that owned uh, Cody last week, like you said, mate, would have, would have played him versus the Dragons. It wasn't, wasn't really a, um, <laughs> a super coach call. It was just a... It was just a yeah, a common sense. The guy, if the guy's gonna, if, if a guy of that caliber is gonna bounce back, and surely it was gonna be last week. But yeah, I wouldn't play. I would not play away from home versus Sharks. Point. Uh, Cam Murray. Um, a few owners have been asking whether he's gonna be safe to play with Sam Burgess back and a bit and some forward um, rotations happening with the with the Rabbitohs. Um, I'd still be playing him if I owned him. I think I wouldn't be too worried about Burgess returning on the edge. I reckon he's probably more dangerous for Burgess and the team because they're both the same type of player. Like Murray will go looking for either of those. So um, def- the defensive line will be spread a little bit, wondering which one of them is actually going to get that short ball up the middle. Sharkies hasn't been too good um, of late. Um, the only real C option to talk about in this one is whether 
if uh, you were to VC Turbo um, or you didn't own him, whether Damien Cook becomes an option against this Shark side? Uh, I'd probably hold off Cookie again. Um, had a stab at him for the VC last week, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't put the C on him. I'd probably wait till him, wait for him. Wait for him at home. He's good for 25 points a half, but you really need a line break in there to get him to sort of 60, which he generally gets every sort of week. But uh, this this week isn't sort of the one I would, I would want to bank on for a line break try assist. So I'd um, I'd just stay away from him for this week. Yep. Well, he's going to be a good player, and I'm going to enjoy playing him, but I'm not going to captain him either. Sharkies versus Rabbits is a tough one to call, mate. How do you reckon that this game's going to go? Who's the winner? I reckon Rabbits pull us one out of the hat, mate. I reckon it's close one, but only sort of four to six points in it. Yep, 100% agree, mate. The Sharks have been very disappointing. Um, I think they try hard, but they're still going to get beaten this week. Roosters versus Titans is our first Sunday game. Um, now, Roosters' side of things, um, JWH and Cordner and Takiaho are all out. That's big blows for the Roosters, but it doesn't mean that Isaac Liu, Zane Tedovano, and more importantly, Angus Crichton start. Uh, I would be careful with Crichton owners, making sure that there isn't a late change for him to be bench still and Butcher going into that edge. Um, for the Titans, there isn't too much to talk about. Um, Brian Kelly comes back in. Um, AJ Brimson is still out and a few other guys like Ash Taylor on the extended bench. But Billy, last week the big news was that um, Teddy still tunned up and ended up being the captain of the round to choose, which was fantastic. But the Roosters only won by eight points against the Dogs. I think we all expected them 13-plus pretty easily, um, obviously against the Titans this week. Is it going to be the same, or can we expect them to actually fire? I hope so, mate. I really don't want another 20 points from fucking Kiri. <laughs> I reckon they fire this week, mate. Watching that Dogs game, like I think it was a combination of things. They didn't play very well, but they also really had two or three other tries there that were, that were pretty much there. Um, two forward passes that shouldn't have been called, which was the story of the weekend across a few games. So I think realistically they, they should have won by a bit more than what they did. Um, I'm going to be playing all my roosters. So Tedesco, Tupo and Mitchell, I'm playing all with a lot of confidence. Um, Tupo only got 40 last week, but you know that was his sort of a good floor score. Hopefully he goes back better this week. Um, and you own Kiri, mate. If I own Kiri, I'd definitely be playing him. I think Teddy's the other big option this week. He scored... You know, 100-plus last week against the Dogs. He could easily do the same thing again this week against the Titans. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, at home again, too, so you have to take that. 2 p.m. as well at the SCG. Um, I'm going to go the Roosters do fire this week. Despite their forward depth, I reckon that they're going to be 18-plus uh, winners this week, and Teddy, Tupo, and Mitchell are all going to get at least a try each. Yeah, I think the dogs were actually away last week. It was it was just in Sydney, so it was hard to <laughs> it's hard to tell. Um, yeah, I I reckon dogs. I, I sorry, Chooks absolutely carved them this week. I think um, back at their actual back at their actual home ground, mate. They turn up. Yeah, Mitchell's been pretty quiet lately. He only scored like um, mid forties last week. He should do a lot better this week, I reckon. I think that the um, the Titans. Centers have a real problem with Mitchell, and um, I, I'd actually say he's a bit of a pod captaincy. If you're going to VC Turbo and it doesn't work, um, you obviously can't do the VCC with with Teddy Turbo because they're both fullbacks. So uh, potentially the VC Turbo and the C Latrell might end up being a um, a bit of a pod play. Yeah, mate, might, I think it might be. Although um, a bit of a risky one, but you know, risky for the biscuit. Dragons versus Eels is the last game, mate. You always seem to get to talk about your Eels at the end of the podcast. Um, Dragons, we've got uh, 
Tafuzi and Lattimore coming in, um, and that means Kerr and Dufty are out. Finally, Mary's woken up to himself that having a fullback to put on for the last five minutes of a game isn't worthwhile. Only, only took a petition signed by 100,000 people. <laughs> and Josh Kerr, no longer an AE nightmare. So Lattimore's um, come back from injury, and just like we hoped, um, him or host came in and took Kerr's spot, so that's great for Kerr loopers. Um, Clint, um, Eels have got um, Takarangi on the wing, which is interesting. Uh, Michael Jennings returns and, and Parry drops out. Sean Lane comes back into the back row. Uh, Nia Cora moves back to the bench. So, um, interesting one here. It's a Jubilee, which is great for the Dragons. Not so much for the Eels away from Bank West, Billy. But far out, the Dragons have been um, been able to find some losses. Um, last week against the Rabbitohs, they looked all, all home and done. And then the Burns owners like me jumped up and celebrated when he set up that winning try and broke their hearts. Yeah, but... I think this week, mate, you've got to... Mate, I, I really hope the Eels win, but we really don't have a good record down there at all. I, I, <laughs> I think what you're going to see is a, res, is a resurgent uh, Dragons team and both teams just completing only about 70% of their sets and just coaches sort of going ballistic at halftime, both sides of the fence. As far as the play and lay goes, surely, surely as an Eels fan... And a super coach fan, you've got to play Gutho, Sivo, and Manu Mau, though, despite what you might think about your record there. I'd probably play Mo and probably one of them. I'd, I wouldn't play Gutho this week. I'd probably just play Sivo, I reckon. Um, but next week, play all three of them. Oh, I'm going for all of them this week, mate. I'm going all out of yours. Um, I think this one's going to be a points fest. I think we're looking at the Eels definitely scoring 24 plus. Um, and they've been averaging, I think, 32 points for the last sort of month or so. Um, I reckon the Eels are going to put on the points there, and it's going to be good for them. I'm sure the Dragons put up a fight, though. Geez, you're confident. It's more about the Dragons, mate. I just, I, I don't like the look of them. It's a Supercoach wasteland as well. Like, there's nothing happening there for Supercoach purposes, and they just, I, I just, I, I really think that the Eels are running pretty well. Um, and I really like what I saw from Gutho and Sivo last week. I thought they were pretty destructive. I think they um, look. I think they turned up and put on a bit of a show. But mate, we leaked too many points. I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair. Even though the Dragons are rubbish, we just need to try and minimise minimise the damage, the damage, and um, from errors or incomplete sets. Fair enough, mate. Well, I'm going for the Eels victorious. Um, hopefully, you enjoy watching it on the couch because that's a, another podcast for the week. Good man. That's a wrap. (laughs) Cheers, Billy. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, You can download us as normal or stream on iTunes or SoundCloud. Do give us a follow on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore Allstars. Thanks for all the questions. They're really great this week. Um, I hope everyone has a fantastic week with their trades and your captaincy choices. Should be a bumper round of footy. As always, we'll chat to you again next week.